Hi, my name is Trevor O'Keefe, and I'm the pastor at Olive Branch Christian Fellowship. We're a Jesus-loving Bible church who are committed to studying the words of Jesus, walking in the ways of Jesus, and partnering in the mission of Jesus. Thanks for joining us on that journey today. One of the things I said at the beginning of the year that I wanted to do a better job of was keeping you informed about what we are doing in different parts of the world, and even trying to keep in front of you some of the partnerships we have that are here and local. Our, our church has made a commitment that at least as a baseline, 10% of whatever comes in is going to be stewarded and put back into either local ministry, ministries that exist here locally, or global missions and church planting. And so we have local partners and we have global partners. Um, you think of Jesus and you think of the way that he commissioned the church in the book of Acts, that they should spread the word to their Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. They were to start locally and then dream and believe and pray and go global. And for our church, we don't want to neglect our local. And for us, that's us buying lunch for our, our ground zero is this school. This is our first place that should feel our footprint and the fingertips of Jesus through us is this school. So we just bought them lunch this week. But some of our other local ministry partners are specifically us partnering with ministries that interact with schools. Moms in Prayer is one of those. Uh, Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, and Fellowship of Christian Athletes is, are all organizations that are here local that have local representatives that we support as they're doing ministry on school campuses, much like the one that we find ourselves in each week. And so one of those ministry partners, his name is Jason Mills, and I asked him to come and share with you so that he could introduce himself to you. So I've asked him, tell us about FCA, tell us about yourself and your testimony, and then talk to us today about Jesus as well. And so Jason is here to do this. Um, this is a job that is a tough job that has a very high turnover rate. Uh, but Jason, to his credit, but maybe even more to his wife's credit, has been doing this a long time. And I actually do mean that because I know that for many people, this, this turns and burns them quick, this role does. But because of Jason's long-term consistency here in this region of San Diego, overseeing FCA, he's been able to create some awesome inroads uh, for people, for students and families to hear about Jesus, even on their campuses. So welcome our friend and partner that you support as a church, Jason Mills. Good morning, everybody. Um, like Trevor said, I work with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I'm the North County Director, so I oversee our ministry for everything north of like the 52. And how many of you guys are athletes in the room? Any athletes? A couple? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let me rephrase that. How many of you guys ran the mile in PE? Everybody, right? Yeah. See, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Let's see. You got to play the game with me. Everybody's an athlete. If you've taught anybody, how many, how many of you guys have taught something to somebody? Could be anything. Yeah, you're a coach. You're a coach. Um, coaches and athletes have a lot of influence because we share common likes. We have common interests. Those things give us the ability to speak into somebody's life. For me, I did uh, jujitsu and CrossFit and MMA and some different things, and those relationships that I was able to build in doing the sports that I loved, um, give me the opportunity to share Jesus with people that wouldn't normally walk into a church building. They wouldn't normally just show up here and come in. And so sports is a very powerful way to build relationships. I already feel like I'm too loud. Am I not? Okay. Oh, there's people outside. Everybody good? Sorry about that. 
I'll be honest, I'm used to speaking in high schools and junior highs, and I don't have a microphone. I just yell really loud. Um, so um, we actually, as a ministry, have started growing into sports leagues and starting competitive teams, but mostly what we're known for is doing on-campus Bible studies at middle schools and high schools. And so that's why like, I'm used to just yelling into a crowd this size, and I usually have anywhere from five to 15 minutes to share something about Jesus in that time frame as I as they eat lunch and we try to get their attention for just a couple of minutes. Uh, but one of the things that I love about uh, FCA is that we are actually training coaches, athletes at those age levels to share their faith with their friends and to take Jesus with them into those schools, onto those campuses. It's a very powerful thing to see a teacher on campus leading a Bible study with students in a place where they say you can't do that. Uh, it's very par- powerful to see a high school kid lead a Bible study or share his faith in front of his peers on campus where they say you can't do that. It's, it's an awesome thing to be a part of. Um, I want to give you just a little bit of my background so that you know who I am. Um, I'm a kid from Phoenix. I grew up in a poor area. My parents were divorced when I was little. Uh, that makes life very turbulent, very unsteady. I gave my life to the Lord. We all did as a family when I was 10, but Nobody discipled us. Nobody came alongside and said, hey, this is how you follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. And so life was still turbulent. I'm very thankful, though, that uh, God brought people into my life that were that could show me what that looks like, godly people. Two of those guys were uh, Jim Main and Ken Cortman, who were my wrestling coaches in high school. I wish standing here in Poway, you know, one of the, you know, world-famous Poway wrestling right down the street, right? I wish I could say I was an awesome wrestler. I was a very mediocre wrestler. I was a weight class filler. The coach said, hey, we have a spot, weighs about as much as you do. I just need you to show up. And that was me. But my coach, with two godly men, they weren't doing anything that most people would think was extraordinary. They taught me wrestling, and they were godly men. That was it. But it made a huge impact on me, a kid that didn't have godly influence in his life at home. Um, and that's the power that God can use ordinary things to make an extraordinary impact in people. These guys just took Jesus with them. And so I want to lean on you that, uh, lean on that sort of thought is that we all need to take Jesus with us. Um, one of my favorite passages is Matthew chapter nine. It's when, uh, Jesus calls the disciple Matthew. Uh, it's actually in, um, three of the gospels it's in matthew it's in luke 5 it's in mark 2 um, but matthew 9 9 to 13 for those of you who like to read along i'm going to read this for you real fast and we'll dig into it <clears throat> as this, as jesus went on from there he saw a man named matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth follow me he told him and matthew got up and followed him while jesus was having dinner at matthew's house tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. There's some pretty cool stuff in this. It's really simple. It's really fast, right? This is Matthew's origin story. And if you think about it, like, we, we watch movies. 
two hours long about some fictional person's origin story, right? My favorite is Iron Man. Love Iron Man. But it's two hours, right? This is Matthew, a real person. This is his opportunity to share his origin story. What is it? Two paragraphs. That's it. Maybe you get ten sentences. I think for him, the, the, the real story is it's not his origin story. It's him telling about Jesus. See, the, the, the passage says that Matthew was a tax collector, right? It actually doesn't. It says he was sitting at a tax collector's table. We have to look at Luke chapter 5, where Luke calls Matthew a tax collector. Matthew just saw it of himself as a guy who just happened to be sitting and doing work at a tax collector's table. It's, a little, it's subtle, but it's different. If you think about for us, how many of us put our identity in what we do, what our occupation is, how we spend our day, right? Matthew did not. Uh, <clears throat> the, ne- the very next uh, part is that Matthew throws a banquet for Jesus. Actually, in this passage, in Matthew, he just says he's having dinner. He says he has dinner, Jesus over for dinner, and tax collectors and sinners show up. Luke is the one that tells us that Matthew threw a banquet. Now, to me, those two things are very different, right? A banquet and just having dinner. Like, I just had dinner with my family last night. We had some ribs. We sat around and watched basketball. It was a great time. No big deal. That's kind of how Matthew looks at it as he writes his own story, right? Like, oh, we're just hanging out. Had some buddies over. No big deal. Luke says he threw a banquet. A banquet's like a lot of people, like, like this many people, right? Like, this is a, if we were all sitting, we might call this a banquet. That, when I read this, when I read all the different versions, what I feel like Matthew was doing is Matthew liked to throw parties. That's what Matthew did all the time because to him it was ordinary to have this many people around. A banquet was just how he did things. Again, Matthew brought Jesus into what he normally did. It's real fast. Jesus calls Matthew. Matthew gets up and leaves. Matthew takes Jesus with him to his life. He brings Jesus into his life. Um, sinners were the people that Matthew hung out with. Matthew was a tax collector. I think we've all talked about, i I got to be honest, I don't like paying taxes. I don't know about you guys. But I can only imagine what it would be like if I had to pay taxes by physically taking money out of my pocket and putting it in somebody's hand, Right? Would you like that guy if every Thursday you had to roll down to a little booth over here, pull money out of your pocket, and just put it in his hand? I don't think you'd like that guy. And that's why Matthew, nobody liked Matthew as a tax collector. His job was actually to tax you more than what you owed the government because that's how he made his living. That's how he threw all those parties because he had extra money floating around, right? Um But the people he hung out with were not the nice people in the neighborhood. They were the bad people. They were the other tax collectors. The Bible just refers to them as sinners, people that do bad things, right? Um, I think one of the things that um, is cool in this passage is that a lot of times we feel like when we become Christians, we have to separate ourselves from people, right? But Jesus didn't actually say to Matthew, I think you guys should... I think you should find some better friends. He didn't say that. Jesus just sat with Matthew's friends. And then, uh, of course, as always, in the Gospels, the Pharisees appear, right? Love these guys. No, actually don't. Don't love these guys. 
don't be a Pharisee. Anytime you run into somebody in the, in the New Testament, it's a Pharisee. It's like every other chapter, these guys are causing trouble. Um, if there's somebody in the Bible that's the bad guy, it's the Pharisees, right? Jesus is always yelling at them. He's always arguing with them. He's always getting out of bed of shape, been out of shape about things that they're doing. Um, so these guys, as always, show up. And in this, per, in this specific case, they don't actually engage with Jesus. For whatever reason, they go to Jesus' disciples to say, Hey, why is your teacher hanging out with these bad people? Jesus, cutting things off, as always, just the guy that he always is, um, is the one that jumps in and interrupts and says, Hey, I'm not here for healthy. I'm here for the sick. And we'll get into that in a second. I can only really think of two reasons why these guys confronted the disciples. I can only think of why would, I can't, if someone's having a party down the street, I can't imagine going in there and just being like, hey, why are you guys doing this? And like, it just seems like an odd place to put yourself. There's two reasons I can think of. One, they can't understand why he's not concerned about his reputation. That's why they're, that's why, that's where they would be at, right? Why am, why is Jason hanging out with these people, right? Why is Jesus hanging out with these people? The other one is that they think they're they're better than the sinners, right? And they're thinking about Jesus because the Pharisees were the teachers like Jesus was, right? They call him rabbi. Why is your rabbi? Why is your teacher? They're associating, if, we're, if we do the same thing and you do that, you're, now you're messing with my reputation because I don't do that, right? So those are the only two reasons that I can think of uh, why these guys would do it. But Jesus, in his profound wisdom, says it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. See, the primary mistake that the Pharisees make is not that they're better than everybody. It's that they're the same as everybody. They think they're better than everybody. See, Romans says, for all have sought sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? That's you, that's me, that's the Pharisees. They didn't understand where where everything was at. They didn't understand their own position in life, their own position in reference to God. The truth is we all need healing. They were comparing themselves to others. They were thinking, wow, look at these tax collectors. I'm not a tax collector. I'm way better than these people. The tough thing is we do the same thing just about every day, right? It just looks a little different. I don't think anybody's going to go up to a guy that says that works for the IRS and be like, I'm better than you because I'm not a tax collector. But we look around and we go, oh, I'm better than you. I don't smoke. Oh, I'm better than you. I'm a little bit better in shape. I drive a nicer car. I have a bigger house. We look at things down here and we think, I'm better than you. Right? We just about always do it. Um, I have a very uh, colorful story from my colorful family. Uh, we've had some drug addiction issues in my extended family. And I remember being, stay with me here, I remember being in a field chasing a cow that had gotten out. And uh, one of my relatives says to a neighbor that's helping us, hey, Tweaker, help us out over here. And I'm thinking in my head, it was only like a month ago that you were on the same stuff you're yelling at him for. Right? So... We take little things and elevate ourselves to the people around us. I think God has a different perspective. Um, when I was 10 years old, 
Uh, I got to fly on my first airplane. Uh, it was pretty cool, too, because I didn't have an adult with me. And my mom just put me on the plane, and my uncle was picking me up first time on an airplane. Um, they put me in a window seat. How many of you guys like window seats? Anybody? Yeah. Um, I used to like window seats. Now that I'm a little bigger, I like the aisle because I need the space. Um, but I know everybody likes to look out the window. And I remember as a kid being amazed at just watching everything get smaller, right? When the plane's on the ground and you're taxiing, you can see the cars. You might even be able to see a few people on the sidewalk out. And as you're going, everything gets a little smaller, right? Cars get a little smaller. People get a little smaller. All of a sudden, you can't see the people anymore. And all you can see is the cars, maybe what color they are, if it's a truck versus a sedan, right? And then you get high enough, you can't see any cars. All you can see is the street, and it just looks like a line. I feel like that's how God sees sin. We're fighting about what color is my car if I'm driving a truck or a sedan. God's way up in the sky going, you guys are still down on the ground. Because he sees us all in the same state of needing his grace and mercy. Whereas we're fighting about all these different levels that we put on things, right? Um, Jesus quotes scripture in this little passage. He says, uh, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Go and see what go and see what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This one passage, this one little sentence, is only in Matthew's version of this. And again, if this is his story, that must have been significant to him. Um, Jesus is talking to Pharisees, and he's quoting scripture from the from the prophets. I think this was a big deal to Matthew as a tax collector, and hearing that a guy that is the teacher say, "I desire mercy." I think as a tax collector, Matthew felt like, I need more mercy in my life. And that for Jesus to say that and quote scripture, is showing the Pharisees that they're out of line and they didn't understand what God really meant uh, in life and what all these things that they had set up to do. See, the Pharisees were sort of in charge of God's rituals. They were, they're the ones that were like, oh, I'm, I do this, I do that, I wash a certain way, I kill certain animals, I do all the rituals the way I'm supposed to, and so I'm more favored by God because of the things I do. And I think for us as Christians, we have to be careful we don't put ourselves in that same place. Because we are the ones that know God's word better than anybody else. So we need to be careful that we're not going to be the same as the Pharisees, that we're not going to be legalistic with people that don't know Jesus that we're not going to show mercy to people that need mercy. Um, we are all sinners. We are all in need of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. Um, again, I love Matthew took Jesus, short version. Jesus calls Matthew. Matthew takes Jesus. The Pharisees get bent out of shape. That's like the, the like one sentence version of what just happened. But for you, what do you take away with from it, right? What am I supposed to walk out of here with? I would encourage you to walk out of here with, take Jesus with you wherever you go. We think by separating from sinners that we'll be more holy, or that we'll be kept clean. We think by siloing different parts of our life that we can somehow Jesus won't find out that we have these little things in our life. Spoiler alert, he knows. Whatever it is you think you're getting away with. We all have that little thing that we get away with. Um, but be like Matthew, who took Jesus with him into the dark places. Let me tell you uh, one story. 
and, uh, and I'll leave you with this. Is, um, five or six years ago, I was having a lot of stress and work. Uh, I had about a six-week period where I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep more than like two hours in a stretch. I'd get up for an hour, go back to sleep for a half hour. Just You know, you can go like that for a little while, but six weeks was a long time. I had a student come back from uh, RB High School. He had and said, hey, I heard about this jujitsu school. He knew I loved martial arts. He said, I heard about this jujitsu school, and the, the owner's a world champion and a believer. You should go down there and introduce yourself. And I tried calling down there and whatever, and I found out that they actually had a free week. You could sort of test out their school, and it's way down in Claremont. I went down there, went to one class, didn't meet the guy, but felt really good working out again. Um, and that night, for the first time ever in, two, in six weeks, I slept through the night. I slept so good. I felt so refreshed. So I went back and I finished out my whole week and I thought to myself, I have got to figure out how to continue this because I can't keep not sleeping. Um, and so I found through some Facebook friends, friends of friends, that uh, there was a guy in 4S that was running a school. So I went down there, called him, said, hey, can I, you know, come in and, and work out a little bit? And he's like, yeah, come on down. So I'm standing in the lobby, you know, filling out the paperwork that says I won't sue you if I die or anything like that, right? Um and he says, uh, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, this is always the awkward part for a guy that in ministry because you never know how they're going to react, right? And so I go, oh, I'm, I work for a fellowship of Christian athletes. He's like, do you really? I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, thank God you're here. My daughter's been asking me to go to church for years, and I just had a student commit suicide last month, and I don't know what to do. And so there I am standing in the lobby of his school, desperate just to sleep at night, and the light bulb goes off, and God tells me in the back of my mind, you're not here for you, you're here for him. Just because God used what I needed to get some sleep. But don't hear what I didn't say. You hear that story and go, Jason's really cool because he put himself in that position. He was there to talk to somebody. I'm not the hero of the story. God is. God used something I needed to put me there. And God can use you too. We are not the heroes of the story. We just get to be the tools. We just get to be the tools that Jesus uses to impact other people. Just like those wrestling coaches were for me way back when I was in high school. Again, they didn't do anything extraordinary, but I got to see my wrestling coach put his arm around his wife while we were sitting around at tournaments. I got to see my wrestling coach open the door for his wife, teach me how to tip my waitress, make sure that I wasn't cussing when I lost a match, made sure that I was doing things in a godly manner. Why? Again, it wasn't anything extraordinary. They were just showing me how they did life. And God used this, this story in my life to be able to impact somebody. So my encouragement to you is take Jesus with you wherever you go. You have places in your life that he wants to go with you. Might be work, might be school, might be at home might be in your marriage, might be a lot of places, might be in your hobbies. So take Jesus with you. Let me pray for you, and then uh, I think the worship guys are going to come up. I think that's how this thing is happening around here, right? Yeah? Okay. Lord, you're the creator of all things and our healer. Help us to see the world around us and the people around us the way that you do. Help us to show mercy and grace to everyone. And help us to daily ask you to join us in what we're doing, Lord. You are an awesome and holy God, and you love us. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Thank you again for listening to the Olive Branch Christian Fellowship Podcast. For more information about our church, go to olivebranchcf.org.